it's hard to lose a different way five times in a row. Who is the backup shortstop at the moment, Nick? Can we figure it out from the roster? Is it Morales? Is that something I need to know? <laughs> Can we just find out who the one the TV broadcast keeps clicking their ink pen into the microphone and make them stop? <laughs> And welcome to Artificial Turf Wars, episode number 102. We called Vlad Jr. up, but it went to voicemail. I am your host, Greg Wisniewski, and I am joined this week by Joshua Housem and the incomparable Nick Dyka. Josh? Yo. Nick? Hey, Greg. We have succeeded in putting all the technology together, <laughs> and everybody can hear me. It's wonderful. Uh, probably more wonderful than the Blue Jays, who just finished a one and six homestand in which they lost in a number of frustrating ways. If you are emotionally invested in the team, as some people around here are, that could have been a little frustrating. Uh, although it wasn't all Kendris Morales' fault this time, he's he seems to have uh, recovered from his near death experience at the plate. Uh, the Blue Jays, of course, continue to make moves and shuffle the roster around. We have Dalton Pompey. Back up, Deck McGuire down, uh, which makes it appear as if Sam Gaviglio is here to stay. And Joe Biagini is here, but not in the rotation anymore, probably, unless you talk to John Gibbons. It's complicated. Uh, we have a kind of extended injury update for you. Um, and we're going to talk about the fact that maybe the Blue Jays don't actually have a shortstop, per se. We have your questions, as always. And uh, we're going to talk about Major League Baseball maybe acknowledging that there is something with the ball. Gosh, I'm shocked. Just shocked. Uh, my question for you, gentlemen, and I will, I will hand it to Josh first, is how shocked are you at how bad that homestand went? Pretty shocked. I mean, obviously, the, you know, there's no reason to expect them to exactly dominate it, but it was really bad. <laughs> <laughs> so first game was, what was the score? in the, Well, sorry, they got swept by Oakland. Just at home for gamer like, yeah i i don't even know what to say to that like what what is the appropriate response nick when you get swept at home by a west coast opponent who sh should be at least a little out of their element and is not that great a team uh honestly i'm i'm not as worried as i think a lot of people are right now and it didn't look good it it was really ugly and they should have you know split the series or probably taking two of three but you know it is only seven games um and so I, I just think like you know that old adage you're not as bad as as you look and you're not as good as you look in baseball and i think this is just a case and, where sorry go ahead well if they were as bad as they've looked then they would be you know should be relegated to playing against the the double a guys and bring the double a's out to the bigs but <laughs> yeah so no, no, no one's thinking well no one at least on this podcast is thinking that this is representative of their true talent level but it was not fun to watch no no but losing teams rarely are you know it's true um they they did we I, I have the note here they found their new ways to lose so i suppose the most epic way of losing is to put tyler clippard in to close the game for you and then he pretty much immediately <laughs> walks three people yeah, yeah. so the the five losses in a row though it's because they lost five in a row before winning that one game against the angels or sorry, no, it was, it was five. Their their last five losses before they just got shelled in the finale against the Angels. 
The first one they lost because their starters were terrible. The second one they lost because they didn't hit at all. The third one they lost because the bullpen imploded. The fourth one they lost because their defense imploded. And the fifth one they lost, <laughs> the bullpen imploded again, but also because they couldn't run the bases. Like They just found every single possible way to lose. <laughs> And I think it, it's unfortunate because you do get some smart heads up play uh, interrupted by some real boneheaded stuff going on. Curtis Granderson, did he not have two seven five assists in the same inning somehow? Yeah. <laughs> so who saw that coming? Two open assists from Curtis Granderson in the same inning. Well, they weren't going to be at the plate. No offense to Curtis, but we knew that. <laughs> He's throwing a third because that's where the ball gets to. And even the first throw to third was like, not, <laughs> it was not good. But Donaldson made a really good tag. And then I was listening on the radio, but apparently Teoscar Hernandez threw some laser to third base after completely misplaying a ball in that eight to one loss. Mm -hmm. So even when they're doing things yeah, right. It was, it, it was first it was first and second. And he, he, he got a ball on the short hop instead of catching it in the air. But he picked it off the short hop and threw out Otani at third for the force out. <laughs> a a 9-5 force out. <laughs> Don't see that one very often. So even in order to do something spectacularly right, we have to do something spectacularly wrong first. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, it was just everything they could to lose. I mean, you were talking about Curtis Granderson, right? He was the guy that had that base running disaster in the... In the bottom of the ninth, after they'd blown the, the lead with Clippard walking the bases loaded, and then they ended up giving up four runs in the inning, they had second and third, and Kendrys hit a ball off the top of the fence, and Granderson didn't score from second because he went back to tag up instead of going partway off the bag in a situation where you have to be able to score that run if that ball hits the ground. It's, and, uh, I mean, Granderson is a good base runner, right? We We, we never mocked his base running in the past we know he's fast he's no i mean it's not supposed to be an issue of his but it it was and it was just the thing about this team finding new ways to lose that you would never have expected uh right yeah you know you know what you know what though again to try to just as frustrating as it is i'll bet you even a team like the astros or or the yankees if you get them in their worst eight game stretch they'll probably look as bad as the jays did and i've been against that I would do. I think, you think so? Yeah. Um, it, it's hard to lose a different way five times in a row. That's just, it just, and, but that's sort of why it goes back to your thing where it's like, you're not as good as like, they're not this bad. They don't, they're not, they don't have issues with all, yeah. every possible asset, uh, asset, <laughs> every possible part of their team. It's just, it was just the ugly, ugly, ugly stretch you could imagine. That's just all it was. <laughs> So should we move on to the bright side of, of the whole thing is that uh, the DH, Kendris Morales, Nick, actually appears to be using doing the H part of his job and, and might be playable? <laughs> well, he, he's, been, uh, he's been pitching well, too. It was uh, right. nice to see him. I forgot about that. Yeah. It was nice to see him square off against Otani and the other uh, two-way player uh, in the league. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, he, he's been doing better over his last what eight or eight or nine games i think he's yeah he's he's hit a couple home runs hit a couple doubles um and yeah he's showing signs of life um i don't know how you guys feel i'm not certain that it's going to be the start of a big turnaround you know um i i think 
kind of some of the problems with with Kendrys as a as a hitter are still there, even though he's hit the ball a little better lately. And so I think the same things you're hearing now from restless fans about either cutting him or, or benching him or whatever, I think that's going to continue uh, into into June until you know, until he's kind of not playing such a prominent role, or at least until they can put like Steve Pierce at DH or something when he comes back. So I'm, I'm glad he's doing better, but I don't know that this is the start of a turnaround. Well, I mean, I guess it depends on what you, you're de- defining as a turnaround. Uh, I, right. Kenny Smiles is not as bad as <laughs> his number uh, on at the end of May 10th, he was hitting 143 with a 232 on base and a 262 slugging. There's no way he's that bad. Right. So I, so I think he's going to have, you know, little ups and downs stretches and probably end up somewhere in the, I don't like using OPS because it's not really the greatest, greatest stat, but he's probably going to end up in the mid sixes at this point. It would be my guess, which is horrible and not what you'd expect, but I think he's going to be a little, he's going to be better than this going forward. Right. Playing time so, will tell. But uh, but I yeah. do agree with you that you know once Pierce and Grichuk are back, which we're going to get to later on, his playing time probably should go away. Yeah, and then you've got that ten million dollar asset that's really not doing anything for you. Back to that problem again, possibly. So if he plays really really well, uh, no, nobody's going to pick him up because they know he's just going to. If you DFA him, he's going to get to uh, through waivers, no problem, because he's too expensive. What am I saying? We're, we're going to yeah. find out if Kendris is going to get picked up right when whatever happens to Hanley Ramirez, who uh, I will mention in more detail later. <laughs> um, all right. So the Blue Jays did the roster shuffle. They sent Deck McGuire back down and they brought up Dalton Pompey for, it feels like the third time this year already, but it probably isn't. Is that just because they're in a National League park, Nick? Um, I think it's, to clarify, I do think it's the second time they've brought him up. And, um, yeah, I'm not exactly sure because they didn't send Dwight Smith Jr. down uh, That's either. why I think the answer is yes. That it's a National League park issue? Yeah, it's just because they, you know, they're going to need to pinch hit for pitchers and pinch run and double switches and all that garbage that happens in the stupid National League rules. That's <laughs> <laughs> really how you really feel. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You guys tell me how you really feel. <laughs> that was pretty good. Sam Clavicleo just got a hit. Uh... Yeah. Because <laughs> they don't need those pinch hitters. Yeah. He had another two-way player. Jay Happ, Sam Clavicleo. There you go. The pitchers can rake and Kendrys can pitch. But uh, yeah, I just think that you need extra players when you're in the National League. And that's all it's going to be, especially with, as we're going to get to again, but Grichuk very close to a return. It's just a body right and and i would think pompey's still at the point where if he's not going to be playing every day you still want him in the minor leagues to kind of help facilitate his development even though like he's been at triple a for what three years now but um well not really <laughs> right right all the injuries yeah um yeah but i i'm guessing the jays don't want to use pompey as like a strictly bench bat at least no. at this point point. and it was a double by the way from of course it was. I mean, it's perfectly natural that we're talking about how bad the team is while we uh, record this. We watch them be very, very impressive, at least for a couple of innings. <clears throat> I don't know why we didn't think of this earlier. Um, all right. So, Maguire, is Deck Maguire now just 
just that long man slash warm body, Josh? Well, he's in the minors now. But yeah, but that's what I mean. It, like, is he the one they keep bouncing up and down all year when they need a warm body? Because it looks like this rotation might need one again, based on how how the injury front has got, been going. I would say yes. Uh, it's kind of what you'd expect of him at this point. I mean, this is a guy that he was a first round pick. But he's twenty eight now. I mean, it's not like he's not like some young guy who finally found it. I think that this is his role. He's you know the taxi squad can come up, give you some innings when you need them, and. That's it. I don't think he's ever going to be an impact player in the big leagues. Fair enough. So we were talking about uh, Sudden Sam here. And <laughs> sure enough, uh, the note says he's locked down the number, I guess, six starter role, um, forcing Joe Biagini into the bullpen because Joe Biagini just could not make his arsenal work uh, as a starter. Uh what do we really have in Sam here? I mean, I, I, had I ever heard the name before this season? Should I have? Well, I think it's important that you noted that Joe Biagini couldn't really make it work as a starter because I think it might be more Biagini being ineffective than it's been uh, Sam Giavilio being effective. And that's not to, I mean, he pitched well in, in his one start, but I think Biagini kind of forced their hand on it more so than uh, Sam Giavilio did. I think it's both. I mean, Gavilio has now thrown nine and two thirds innings entering today and had struck out 12 and only walked two, giving up one run. Obviously, look, he's not a guy who's supposed to be a good major league starter. There's a reason he's also 28 and is only his second year in the big leagues. But for now, he's pitching well, which is not something you can say about many people in this rotation. And as we talked about, Biagini wasn't. And especially the biggest problem with Biagini, in addition to his his issues with his arsenal and getting hit was he stopped throwing strikes and he's walking 4.3 batters per nine. And when you're, you know, when you're not fooling people with the stuff in the zone, you better not be putting people on base. What is it with like to go a little bit off base here? What is it with the blue Jays? It seems like every blue Jays pitcher is walking more batters this year. Is the mound like lopsided at Rogers center or something? (laughs) You got to have a concert, um, tear it down, and rebuild it, and hopefully get it straight <laughs> this time. Yeah, uh, I don't really know what the deal is with that. I mean, Hap is not really, I don't think. Right. But uh, you know, Sanchez. Part of the issue, I think, that I, I was going to talk about this is my final thought, but I guess I'll bring it up now. Uh, one of the issues with Sanchez is that his ball is actually moving even more than it used to, where he's getting extra sink and extra ride on the fastball. And if you watched his last start. And actually, the start before that, he's losing a lot of pitches at the bottom of the zone that are being called for balls that are actually strikes. We have a question about that, I think, um, as well. Oh, do we? Yeah. Oh, then maybe I should have made it. A- <laughs> 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 oh, it's a it's a it's a small team. Only so many people on the roster. But yeah, you're saying Sanchez is is maybe he should be aiming for the center of the zone. A little more rather than because he has more movement. Well, I must think the umpires are missing it because of that. I think that's actually one of the issues. That's, and, you know, that's just going to, when you got the, when you throw that hard with that much movement, it is going to be harder for the umpires. But, you know, that's supposed to be something that Martin, that Russell Martin is helping with. And it ha- just hasn't been happening in the early going. And I don't know if that's predictive or if it's going to change or I don't know. And actually, Estrada is not walking people either. So right. happiness, but he's just getting crushed, you know. <laughs> but maybe, uh, but the guys who are in the back, there, sorry, go ahead. I said maybe he should walk a few, given that. Uh, yeah, 
that pitch that's a little up, throw it a little higher, please. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, but Garcia, Stroman, Biagini, you're definitely right, Nick. It's like it's just walk, 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 and I don't really have an explanation for it because especially Stroman and Garcia, really, that that's not part of their game. No, not at all. It is a strange business, this baseball. Um, so Mike Wilner was kind enough to give us the full injury report, which we've alluded to a little bit. Uh, so first, Aladmus Diaz is doing base running drills, getting ABs in extended spring, probably going to start his rehab assignment. Um, I'll just run them all down. Grichuk is going to resume rehab games in the outfield tonight. They might send him to double A instead of single A because I guess it's not very nice in Dunedin right now. Pierce is doing long toss. Wouldn't we all like to do long toss all day? Uh, and running drills, his hitting progression will begin next week. So Pierce clearly behind Grichuk there by a long shot. And then Strowman has an off today, off day today after four days of throwing. Uh, he does long toss tomorrow and will probably throw a side session next week. So that sounds like still at least two weeks before he gets any real game action, right? Strowman? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it depends on whether they actually need to get him into some rehab starts. Because he has been off for a while and he wasn't good. If they if they're just gonna have him like throw one rehab start just to get back in there and get back up, I think two months, two months, two <laughs> weeks could be <clears throat> two months, two weeks. Eh. Um, okay, so sorry, we keep interrupting for things. Did you actually see that Gavilio hit? No, it said it said <laughs> sharp line drive, but uh, he hit I, it. I, so <laughs> Herrera dove and missed it, and the ball went to the wall, and he only got a double. <laughs> no. Well, you don't want to get winded, man, as a pitcher. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, it's better than an out. That's what I say. Uh, so I guess the first, maybe the most important person on the injury update was Diaz because they're they're essentially playing without a shortstop right now. I, I'm, I'm really not comfortable with that, to be perfectly honest. Uh, no. <laughs> especially since if that shortstop gets hurt or Shayla, who is the backup shortstop at the moment? Can we figure it out from the roster? Is it Morales? Is that something I need to know? <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I know we talked about this in the offseason a little bit, but I'm totally comfortable with like throwing Solarte out there uh, a couple times a week. Um, so I'm thinking he would be the backup right now. I guess Urshela would be number one on the depth chart. And yeah, Solarte slash Russell Martin maybe would, would be the, the backup. I mean, we've, <laughs> we've seen Donaldson there last, last year. Um, yeah, I'm I'm not to be honest, I'm not particularly like worried. It's a I think it's a pretty short term thing. And they always have Richard Urena in the But they sent him the, down. I know, but he's there. If they need the glove first, you know, guy who can actually field the position. They do. <laughs> the guy they have at the position yeah. right now can't hit either. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It'd be one thing if if, if Gio Urshela mashed, but he's a terrible hitter who's not a shortstop. <laughs> It is. This is a big, like this is not not a good thing. Solarte can't play short. He, we've seen him do it. He's not good there. He's he has no range. Right. And if I, you're putting I, Solarte at short, you have Solarte and Travis up the middle, two guys with very little range. That's not good, especially if you have you know, it's one thing if Marco Estrada is pitching, right? Because everything's in the air. Or, you know, if Tyler Clippard comes in, you can do that because everything's in the air or, you know, out of the strike zone. But you know, if you have Be a genie pitching or 
Sanchez. Tra- or, or Hap or Sanchez. Yeah. You need a shortstop who can actually go get the ball. I mean, that hurt San- that could have really hurt Sanchez in his last start. That you know, Gubilio couldn't get to a ball cleanly, made an error, and then he got out of it on the next batter. But for uh, like, sure, infield I, defense has the Jays are oh. second last in baseball in defensive efficiency on ground balls. You're right, and I and I'm not advocating for this solution like indefinitely moving forward. It's just. You know the Jays are literally on their their third string shortstop at this point, right? Between six two, um, yeah. <laughs> but, but here's the thing: like, yeah. if you're not going to get offense out of the position, which you're not with Urshela, right? Why well, are you not using someone like Urania, who's yeah. not going to hit either, but he at least can play the position defensively? Right. That's that's. I think. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. Um, I I assume that when they initially made the move, I assumed it was because they were going to you know, stick somebody who could hit a little bit like Solarte there and just take the defensive downgrade uh, to try to get the offense going. But what was the yeah, purpose of, of bringing in Urshela is, is really the reason is the question here. Is it because they thought Josh Donaldson was going to be gone for longer? Like, I, I, I think don't... it was to play shortstop. <laughs> but he's not, I, uh, I... not good. Uh, anyway, well, we're confounded as a group. <laughs> Actually, I lied. The Jays are now third worst in baseball in defensive efficiency on oh, ground balls. Wow, that's awesome. The, the, the Kansas City Royals have marginally fallen behind them. Oh, wonderful. So wonderful. Um, and I would be happy that Grichuk was coming back. Except the $64,000 question is, will Grichuk remember that he was maybe starting to hit? Or are we going to be right back to out of spring training Grichuk? I mean, yeah. I think he was better than the hitter we saw in the, the first few weeks of April. Um, that well, said... That's not even a pro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That said, most <laughs> most hitters uh, would be better than that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think there's I think there's still hope. I mean, that's, that's the downside. With a guy who has Grichik's profile as a hitter, a guy who swings and misses a lot, doesn't walk, you know, if they're not making hard contact and the ball's not falling in for hits, he's going to look pretty bad from, from time to time. And, um, I think that was, that was just a stretch, you know, where nothing was falling in for him. And yeah, he, he looked pretty atrocious at this point, Josh, for some reason, I'm reminded of Kevin Pilar, whom you wanted to mention in this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, it was just basically what I wanted to say, this idea we were talking about regression, Right. Well, the regression monster has attacked Kevin Pillar. <laughs> it's kind of sad. I mean, he was. It was looking like he was potentially maybe figuring something out, but is it though? I feel like we, we have this conversation every year. Say, I, I, that's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the, I was going to say it looked like that to the outside, but all of the underlying metrics said he was doing everything exactly the same. He was swinging at ex- the same number of pitches out of the zone. He was making the same type of contact, so there was no launch angle or anything. He just happened to be barreling the ball a little bit more because he was making good contact. But then you look at it, it's like over his last 19 games, he's hitting 203 with a 230 on base and a 275 slugging, which is, this is what Kevin Pillar does. He has stretches where he's very, very good and stretches where he's just awful. And I don't think that that's really going to change. I think another interesting point you made, Josh, about 
people are barreling the ball more is I, I think a lot of times now with with Statcast being so like widely cited and used is like that we talk about things like barrels as as being something that indicates uh, a change or, or a batter's ability to sustain like a, a certain level of production. But I think you're right in mentioning that sometimes when hitters are going well, they're going to hit the ball squarely more often. And that's not necessarily as predictive as I think sometimes maybe it's assumed it is. Um, and, and if you see a guy like Pilar, who's, who's barreling the ball a lot for uh, you know a brief period of time, it doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to be able to, to carry that forward in the way that I think sometimes it gets misused. And that's why when I, when discussing things like that, I always look for something else, whether yeah. it's, uh, you know, changing in the, their approach or their launch angle. Because if the, if the launch angle changes and then barrels go up, it's usually a change in swing plane, which could be predictive. It might not be, but it could be. In this right. case, there was literally nothing different except he happened to square up a few extra balls and it made his numbers look good. Indeed. All right. That, I believe, takes us through the update on this team that uh, really needs to turn itself around if it has any intentions of uh, of giving us an interesting, entertaining June. Uh, but we will be interested and entertained by your questions coming right up after a quick break. And we are back from a short rest, all organized to answer your very important questions. Time now to hear from our listeners. That just seems silly. Here are the rules. First I ask a question, then you ask a question. Now how does that sound, sweetheart? Could you repeat the question, please? Uh, so, it begins with a question that, uh, let's see. Comes the one from... I already answered from Colleen? Yeah. Why does Sanchez consistently not get calls his counterpart gets? Um, which was obviously a burning issue because Josh answered it beforehand. Uh, yeah, too much movement throwing too hard and Russell Martin's not helping him out enough. Yes. Blame Russell Martin. Not only is he not hitting, he's not framing. <laughs> I was blaming the umpire, but okay. Yeah. Uh, all right. Velukimir Guerrero Jr. At split letters um, asks, I know the defense needs working on, but I'm wondering if keeping Vlad in double A, we were pretty good. Not mentioning Vlad Jr. Other than my intro joke. Um, could start <laughs> damaging based on the strength of his bat. Like if it's being so easy, could lead to bad habits or whatever that could be problematic long term so josh do you think do you think the offensive development would be in trouble by getting called up too early um the way he's asking the question i think the answer is no i don't think it would damage it i think what it would potentially would potentially could potentially do is make it stagnate because he's not facing any further challenges and i'm sure the jays are aware of that as well that you know, at some point they have to promote him, whether the defense is there or not, because he needs to start seeing more challenging pitching to show that to be able to make adjustments. Make One thing I, I find interesting about this kind of like discussion is, you know, I've heard kind of the argument that, oh, well, he can work on his defense in between games. Nope. At the major. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I, I was like. <laughs> Do, how hard do you think like Luis Rivera is hitting them grounders at? Like, do you think like his exit velocity is like 90 miles an hour when he's just knocking them grounders? Like, and also, no way. You know the ball's coming. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Baseball um, defense is about making a decision, the right decision, without making, uh, without thinking about it. 
And the, right. the only way to do that is reps. It's the same way you hit, right? Nobody's thinking about the, like they said, if you're thinking while you're hitting, you're out already. A, a defense, especially at third, has to be the same way. I mean, you're not really able to plan out exactly what's going to happen ahead of time. You have to have some sort of instinct from, from those kind of reps. And yeah, I agree with both of you. Game reps are game reps. That's the end of it. And mm-hmm. my question is just, is there any scout that thinks he shouldn't be playing defense at this point? Like, you know, I'm, I'm not... I'm not like, obviously, I'm not well versed enough to be like, oh, no, he's got to play defense. But it seems like all the scouts are saying he needs to get those reps, too, if uh, if he wants to stick as a major league third baseman, at least for the first part of his career. Yeah, Yeah. he is a 19 year old kid, and it sounds, you know, just just reading game descriptions from scouts, it sounds very much like um, it's raw. I mean, he has uh, a good reaction time he has a good arm that's better than when he he was drafted but he does not have good range because he's big body type and he does not have the instincts yet to know where to be um you know a little ahead of time to to cheat for his limited range which he's going to need to develop i think yeah well this is basically we talked about with ben bather last week he's only been playing it for two years yeah also kevin plard just struck out in a fastball that almost hit him (laughs) <laughs> he he's <hasn't> back <laughs> classic Kevin Pillar. Uh just one other Vlad Jr. note he is I know you don't like OPS Josh he has the highest OPS in double A um, he I believe also has the highest batting average in double A right now yeah. in 431 don't, it's not that I don't that I like specifically dislike OPS I just don't think it's the best way to describe someone because it does it, like, it adds two things that have, don't have common denominators it's kind of weird yeah, it is a, a weird shorthanded stat that they came up with, for sure. Uh, next question. I lost the question. What do we have? So the next uh, question comes in from... This one is from Brett Hibbard. Can we just find out who the one on the TV broadcast keeps clicking their ink pen into the microphone <laughs> and make them stop? Uh, this is like the person who said that we were Toronto Media the other day, didn't weren't they? Uh, when that, we that did happen, yes. Yeah. I am not Toronto, and man, we we are right on the bottom edge of media. Um, so I don't know. Do you know anyone in the broadcast booth, Nick? No, I, I don't. Uh, we'll send an email to bluejays at bluejays.com. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Have you noticed this year the number of times where it sounds like the entire game is being broadcast in a wind tunnel? I haven't caught no. that one. No. There, there's a lot where you'll you'll just the crowd noise instead of being crowd noise is like. what is going on like the stadium's not that big i have to do sound effects at every possible opportunity because it doesn't come up that often (laughs) yeah it's okay i whistled into the microphone in one of our recent podcasts (laughs) Uh, so at split letters also asks a non-live question when do we see baraki in the bigs the rotation hasn't exactly been great isn't he diplomatic and it sounds like he's doing pretty well in triple a are you a baraki fan either of you I am. Uh, I, you know, I don't think he's ready to come up yet. He's had, he's had his ups and downs at Buffalo, and he's been a little better lately for sure. But you know, he's a guy who he's a strike thrower who has a good fastball, good changeup, and his breaking balls fringy. He's not a guy who's going to come and save you, at least not yet. He's just he's a fifth starter, and with the way Gavilio is throwing right now, and with Garcia coming back, the, there's not much point. He's not that far removed from from Tommy John surgery, too, isn't he? This is going to be his first full year of pitching. Third year. 
He's been. Oh, wow, my mistake. Never mind. Yeah, he, yeah, he, he pitched the, the last two years completely healthy. Okay, Oof, never mind. All right. <laughs> so, uh, Brian. You're thinking of Jordan Romano, I think. Oh, sorry. Yeah. So, Brian, who All is, that. as we know, a lame brain, dunderhead, uh, uh, incautious. Uh, uh, I've, I've screwed it up. Sorry. Let me try that again. An incautious, lame brain, dunderhead. <laughs> uh, asks us management traded Vlad Jr. today what does he bring in and what's the impact on the fan base uh, Nick Ooh, um, so this is, this is my best guess but um, if they traded Vlad Jr. I mean they'd have to get back what like a a young major like a young controllable major leaguer it's like you know like under 26 yeah yeah like you know like ben intendi someone like that um i was having this conversation yesterday with a friend of mine actually <laughs> yeah yeah and and i think you know my reaction uh or impact i would be kind of just like left scratching my head about it a little bit um because it's kind of, it feels a little bit like a lateral move and i'm fully aware that's an insane thing to say about somebody who hasn't played above double a and is 19 years old but um yeah i'm guessing that's what they'd you know that's what they'd be asking for if alex anthopoulos was just calling ross atkins every day being like i'll give you whatever you want yeah i'm I'm guessing it's you know one of those braves like like ozzy albies or something like that yeah yeah but and the second part of the question the fan base would lose their mind (laughs) that's right yeah, all the ones who were dedicated enough to know who he was, nobody would be happy. I think is really the <laughs> long and short of it. Unless they, unless it's like they traded him for, you know, Ozzy Albies and Julio Tehran or something stupid like that. Yeah, or or not Tehran for uh, you know, Newcomb, something like but some crazy package that would never happen. Then the people like us would just be like, you know what, that made some sense. But no one would be thrilled about losing what the guy who's being compared to Manny Ramirez. And Miguel Cabrera by everybody, two of yeah. the greatest right-handed hitters of all time. And does it, the, you would be trading him for a player that doesn't fit the window any better than he does himself for the team, right? Right. And the question becomes too: Does Bo demand a trade if uh, they trade Vlad <laughs> Junior? <laughs> Bo doesn't demand anything, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. He has no leverage. Um, so Colleen does ask another question. Uh, and this one, Josh, is a little bit down the rabbit, rabbit hole. Is there any way to find out if J-Hap has better results when he's wearing the white panel hats? Um, she's wondering based on maybe how he hides the ball in his delivery, whether it's coming out of his hat at some point and that that could uh, be helping him out. So we actually did go down the rabbit hole on this one. <laughs> uh, minor leaguer helped us out. Oh, no, sorry. It was James. Sorry, James. He, was, he, he, sent, he gave the link to the Sports Logo site where you can find the information. In his 10 starts this season, with the white panel hat, he has a 2.41 ERA, and the blue, it's 4.69. Uh, but that is because in that blue, he was wearing the blues when he got shelled by Seattle. It's you know, obviously way too small sample, as Colleen <laughs> suggested, to, to mean anything. And he had one start in 2016 where he didn't do well. <clears throat> so that said, I'm actually surprised they're allowed to have white panel hats. They don't allowed to have white panel gloves. That would be awesome. 
And <laughs> you know, like if you're throwing the ball up close to your head and you've got him and you've got a I said like Hideki Okajima, you remember him with his head flying everywhere, not looking at the plate when he was pitching? Mm-hmm. If he had a white hat, that would be really, really hard to see. Do you remember the rumor about Homer Bailey for the Angels a couple of years ago? I, I think it was no, it wasn't Homer Bailey. Who was it? He was a fairly mediocre pitcher, but um, the argument was he did much better in day games in Anaheim because where he stood on the rubber, the rocks uh, out behind him in Anaheim during day games were lit up and almost white. So the ball would come out of a white zone on, instead of on the hitter's background for him. Um, and he, he preferred to pitch during the day, and he always did better during the day for that reason. I don't even know I how he it was picked something Bailey, like that. He never played for the Angels. But... No, I can't remember who it was. Jared he, Weaver? No. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I have a conspiracy theory, too, that uh, the, when the Jays installed the WestJet party deck at the Skydome, that that made it harder to see. That, that made the batter's eye kind of like a little more difficult to see. And that's why kind of their offensive numbers, like not the Jays as a team, but like the park factors around Rogers Center kind of started to, to fall right around the time that the uh, party deck got installed so but didn't what didn't the first year of that wasn't that the year where the the numbers went all crazy through the roof <laughs> no yeah. no it's it's been down like two of the three years they've had the party deck so no but that one year wasn't it really high i think that was the first year of the party deck um 2016 was has been the only year they've been a above the flight deck not the party average deck, yeah oh yeah um <laughs> And I think they installed it in 2015, right? WestJet, yeah. thanks you, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say their brand name. Yeah. I just said bar, I just said flight deck. Uh, I think I think it's called Millennial Hangout Zone One, number one. Oh uh, yes. Actually, you know what? It's uh, it's definitely it's been in there since before that because I remember Colby Rasmus hitting a ball over that, and he was not here in 2015. <laughs> no, that's right. So, uh, I know we keep going a- back to this game, but just I'm going to interrupt again. G- guess who homered for the Phillies? <laughs> Their pitcher? Yeah, of course he did. Oh. Why wouldn't he? Broke up the no-hitter. Uh, <laughs> luckily, nobody on base. Anyway, back to the podcast. It's a dead center. Yeah. Wow. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, baseball, very strange. Um, we were going to talk about, not flight decks, we were going to talk about the juiced baseballs. Did we get all the questions? I feel like we did. Yeah, we did. Yeah, so... We're going to talk about juice baseballs. Uh, yeah, there was one question from Brian where he asked why the Blue Jays make, like to make him sad, and I think we answered that in the first part. <laughs> yeah, we cover that question every week now. Um, so, uh, Major League Baseball went back. We're going to give him a, uh, a gold star for this one. I think that's rather brilliant. So I did good, right? I mean, I would have thought you'd get a gold star. You enjoy that. You've earned it. From what I've heard from social media, baseball kind of admitted the ball is different. Also admitting yeah. they don't know how. <laughs> yeah, they're basically just saying that it flies differently, and there's like the the issue is the drag on the ball. But they said the seams are the same, <laughs> the, the leather's the same, the weight is the same. Everything's they said the that same. basically the 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 cork center. Is my the, what they think might be it's so round that the ball doesn't it, it stays perfectly spherical at all times. It doesn't change shape. Interesting. So there's no wobble so, to the ball. Is is that almost like they're saying the balls are more uniform than they used to be? Is that that, that sounded like what they were trying to say? They'd also have to be harder though in in the core, right? Because 
a mm-hmm. uniform soft core doesn't work, right? Because the ball compresses when you first hit it. So maybe there is a slight change, but not when you drop it from three feet. Maybe only... Uh, if they can't figure it out, we're certainly not going to figure it out on the podcast. But a gold star for finally going back and, and, and admitting that maybe it was worth it looking changed. into a little mm-hmm. closer that something changed since everything went kind of haywire with the home runs. Yeah. Now, I guess the question is, what's the next step? Yeah. Do they change it back? <laughs> what happens there? Because they didn't answer that question. Well, you know, what's like an interesting kind of the real question, I think, that arises from all this is just are, are, are people a fan of the game as it's currently being played where there is more like more home runs, more swing and miss, less kind of like ball in play type action and and which which kind of version of baseball is the more appealing and entertaining one? Um, I, I think that's ultimately kind of what you know the question that's really underlying all this. Um, and for those who want to hear Greg and I go into depth on that very issue, we did that on our last extra pilots episode. So if you're not a patron, go if you go donate even just a buck, you can check that out. Nice plug. And also the Patreon mm-hmm. site will crash your browser at least once. That's not us. Um, give, give it a couple <laughs> shots. Uh, yeah, we we did talk a lot about it, but yeah, it, it it is the burning question. I think is every time baseball changes, we start to ask that same question: is is this a a more appealing version of the game? Um, and that's a really tough call right now. Because I yeah. think previously the the question used to be: well, there's more runs or there's less runs. Well, there's about the same amount of runs as a typical average season, but they're they're not arriving in the same uh fashion and is that a problem do uh do i turn to the two gentlemen here i think now and and ask for a final thought i will ask nick first if you have a final thought um yes so uh my final thought is uh Mike, I'm I'm just a little upset with Mike Shosha because I was at the game yesterday, the the bludgeoning, the the Nick Tropiano uh, shutout. Um, I was at that game, and in the eighth inning of a game where it was becoming very clear the Blue Jays were not going to be scoring many runs, uh, Mike Shosha started playing matchups, and he made <laughs> three pitching changes in the eighth and ninth inning of a game where they were up by seven runs and facing like the bottom of a Blue Jays order that was not going to do anything to compromise the Angels win whatsoever. And when you're at the park in a game like that, you kind of just want it, you know, to to quote the Simpsons, you kind of want it to be like the stop, stop. He's already dead. (laughs) I cannot stand Mike Sosha. Uh, There's a lot of managers I'm mildly annoyed by. Everything Sosha does just makes my skin crawl. Ah, I'm so glad he got we... nice soundly booed at the game I was at, which was very fun. <laughs> um, I had the same. It's funny, similar thing, not social related, but the game before that, when it was like walk, 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 and that, and, and in that ninth inning, and the and the previous and the first five innings took like two hours to play. Like you, it's like maybe. Rob Manfred was under something, <laughs> and then I felt, yeah. you know, I felt dirty for thinking those thoughts. But it, oh God, it, these were some slow games because of just dumb stuff happening. It is unfortunate um, that we don't even know what we want sometimes. 
Uh, my final thought is about the Red Sox because they're doing very, very well, but I, I'll take pleasure in anything I can. So they, a, a tweet from Brandon Weil um, noted that the Red Sox signed Hanley Ramirez and Pablo Sandoval, and Hanley was DFA'd today, um, for $178 million in 2014, and neither of them finished out their contract. And I think most people knew that the day that they both signed. I thought Ken, I thought Hanley well, at least had a shot. The, the, the Sandoval contract was insane. He was a guy that was like, again, we're using OPS, but like he wasn't even an 800 OPS guy. <laughs> yeah, and it was apparent that he'd had uh, physical um, conditioning problems from day one, and he wasn't getting any younger. No well, idea why they signed him. I think the thing with Hanley, though, is they're actually worried that he'll play well enough to vest his option. Not that he's becoming... Rank Thomas Styles. Yeah, so ineffective that, that he can't uh, well, he can't play anymore. It's he was Cora's fault. They, he, it, like, if Alex Cora was just platooning him with... Uh, oh, what's a stupid... Mitch Moreland. Moreland. Mitch Moreland, as that was expected, he wouldn't have reached those play appearance levels, but he was playing every day. <laughs> He was one of the best hitters in April, wasn't he? Uh, yeah, like the in the AL. yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think this is more about the Red Sox trying to save money than it is being kind of like uh, careless with it or, or eating well, it. Uh, absolutely. Um, but the point remains they didn't finish out the contract because the contract they signed, the odds of Hanley actually being worth $22 million a year were, were low to begin with uh, right. like in this year. So they've, they've set themselves up for something embarrassing at some point. Um, you know, and they certainly don't want him to vest for next year. So, all right, well, you might lose some production this year, but you're right. They're, they're trying to save that money. Yeah, um, and, of course, you get the Dombrowski coming out. This could have been even do-over. Just like, we need a you're lying, or we need a some audio somehow of J.P. Ricciardi saying it's not a lie if you know the truth. <laughs> saying it had nothing to do with the vesting option. It's like, sure. Yeah, 100%. Sure. Mm, yeah. Uh, all right, that about sums it up. So I can say that uh, you have been uh, Nick Dyka at Nick Dyka and Joshua Housem at Joshua Housem, and I have been Greg Wisniewski at Coolhead2010. And this has been episode number 102 of Artificial Turf Wars, and we will talk at you next week. Mm-hmm.